This episode is brought to you by West Road Travel Agency. We all know the stresses of traveling, from buying your tickets, to booking a hotel, to finding the best places to eat. Let the agents at West Road Travel Agency handle all that mess so you can ease the cost of travel and vacation with peace of mind. Learn why customers have called them the best travel agency this side of the Misty Mountains and claim a 20% discount today of your booking with the code TARDY at checkout. Again, that's code TARDY at checkout to get 20% off your booking today. West Road Travel Agency, we remove the bad effects of traveling. Welcome back to Road to Rings. I'm Bartley, and on this episode, the second half of this limited series, Shellen and I are just going to talk about the decks we're going to bring to Con of the Rings. That's really it. That's all the... Yeah, it's basically the only top of conversation here. There's nothing else. Pretty much we're just going to talk about the decks we're going to bring, some broad strokes, a little bit of in-depth stuff. We're not going to do a, you know, card-by-card, here's the exact deck list breakdown, just kind of give you a general idea of what our decks are going to be and how they're going to work. And with that said, Shellen, why don't you just start us up with your first choice that you want to talk about? Okay, uh, so I'm going to start talking about my Bond of Friendship deck, which, uh, if you have listened to our first Road to Rings episode, I talked about it a couple times there. I have titled this one my Bond of Friendship Mediocre Stuff deck, because um, if you hear, you know, you hear people talk about a good stuff deck, which is, it doesn't have a lot of theme, it's just got a lot of good cards in it. That's kind of what this one is, but my entire purpose around building the deck is that I can probably sit down at a four-player group, even a group that's already selected all of their decks, and be able to sit down and play without having uniqueness conflicts and without having you know a really mediocre or bad deck. So <laughs> if you um, have listened to Tardy Takes, it, it might not have actually been out yet based on release schedule here, but I have some less than glowing things to say about my personal feelings about the Bond of Friendship contract. But the one big good thing that it does is it's really good, right? Because <laughs> um, you get four, you get four heroes. It's really strong. So because you have four heroes at the start of the game, you don't have to have really strong cards in your deck. Uh, so that's what I've done. I, I don't have any uniques in my deck or my sideboard for it. Um, I, there are some uniques that I can pull from my other decks if, you know, other people aren't running them and we might need it. But it's all going to function by itself. I'm going to bring 16 heroes. I've got four heroes from each sphere that all work in some combination with one another to get me the things that I need, which are card draw, resource acceleration, some questing and some combat, right? You need all of those things. And if I can build it into my heroes, then I can use my deck for some other things. So my most op- optimal hero lineup, like if I got to sit down and nobody else has done anything yet, would be Baravor, Tactics Baragond, Leadership Frodo, and Spirit Glorfindel. <laughs> and now obviously a couple of those heroes, Baragon and Glorfindel, are just crazy good. They're like top tier. Um, but it's good to have a big Sentinel Defender on the table. Frodo can ready any other hero at the table based on player order. So if we're early game and, you know, maybe somebody finds Vilya, I can ready their Elrond after questing and he can Vilya something in afterwards so you don't get wasted stats from him. Same with Kirdan if you find Narya before you find Light of Valon. Still want to get his four willpower and use Narya. So it can really help around the table. Plus, it helps with threat reduction and those sorts of things. And then Baravor can draw me cards or draw other people cards. And then the deck is chock full of Kina's Lances, which I can pay at full cost because I have four heroes. Uh, no problem. It's got uh, Campfire Tales for card draw for everybody. It's got Power of Orthanc uh, and uh, Legacy of Numenor. And deep knowledge, so some doomed events that help everybody at the table do things. It's got errand riders to pass out resources, envoy of Pelagir to pass resources out. It's got side quests that everybody can quest towards. So it is a support deck first and foremost. 
it has Baragon and Glorfindel, so it can defend and kill things that get in front of it as well. Uh, and it's got things like Legolas Hero and Spirit Baragon, so I can sw- swap spheres of my Baragon and attack with ranged if I need to. So it's just kind of a... It's got an answer for any quest, and it doesn't use unique cards, is, is the, the whole shtick there with it. And it's fun. I used it a little bit at the con last year. I don't love playing decks with as good of a power level of Bond of Friendship, but I do like that I can sit down at a table and know that I can play the deck and that I'm not going to be dragging the group down because it's good enough that it's going to pull its weight. But then I don't feel quite as bad about using a power deck like Bond of Friendship because I'm not using a lot of the other super-powered cards, so I don't feel like I'm trivializing the game for other players either. And in four-player, the extra hero is not as important as in solo. So that's that's me rambling a lot <laughs> about the quest. Uh, but it it's fun, and I can use it in basically any situation, which I like. Okay, so a couple of things to add here. One, I've seen it in person. It works. Two, it feels kind of like the natural evolution to Chris's the deck you want your friend to play deck. It's just, like I said, it's just kind of more cards, an evolution, better version of, of that deck. And then three, you know, sometimes with the way the convention works, some of these quests are so hard that, you know, sometimes I don't feel so bad about playing the power decks because it's like, if you want to do the spe- uh, specified quests for the convention, sometimes they're really hard. And it's like, you just got to bring really, really strong decks to win. And yeah, I mean, I, I think I mentioned it previously. The one year I took, uh, when we did Angmar, I took Elrond Vilia Gandalf deck. Uh, and it was like, yeah, that deck is probably too good, but that quest is really hard and I wanted to win and we were all going to play at the same time. So yeah, sometimes just the way the convention is, there are quests that are really hard and if you want to get achievements and play along with everybody else, you just got to play powerful cards and sometimes that's just, uh, you know, yeah, the way it is. And we talked about it last game, like it's fun to bring... For, for we we're not doing it, but for a lot of players, it's fun to bring these kind of pet decks that are more experimental and like we love them for reasons other than them being a power deck. So having the occasional deck like this one that I know I can I can tweak the hero lineup and a couple of sideboard cards to make it very good, like very strong, <laughs> um, to help carry the table a little bit. If other people want to bring you know a, a weirder deck that maybe isn't quite suited for the quest, is nice. Oh right, yeah, you know. Someone could bring a deck that, you know, only flips ship and ships and dreadnought and it's like, yeah, well it, it does that one thing, but it doesn't do like anything else. So, you know, I gotta bring a little bit of a better deck to balance that one out. Yeah, so I guess I'll just move right into my deck to the first one I'm gonna talk about is no surprise if you are a longtime fan of Cardboard of the Rings or anything that I've ever been on. I'm bringing the Turd Burger Keldara deck, the Burglar's yep. Turn and Keldara deck. Uh, you know, why am I bringing it? Well, number one, I mean, for the memes, it's my signature deck. You know, it's like, if I didn't bring it, my fans would be disappointed. It's like, if you're Journey and you didn't play Don't Stop Believing, people would be sad, you know? Definitely. And, uh, you know, I, want to, I don't want people going their, their separate ways. <laughs> Two, it... This is like a really pretty good matchup for some of the cycle here. You know, we've talked a lot about the Monosphere stuff. This is a Mono Spirit deck. Heroes are Arwen, Keldara, and Dane. So, you know, kind of avoids a lot of the pitfalls of the Dual Sphere decks by just being a Monosphere deck. One of the other things that's good about it is because I have Arwen it's not going to have a lot of cards in hand because I can discard one every single turn. So it kind of gets around some of the Ringmaker stuff. So, you know, it's got a good tech against that. It's also a 
very strong deck. I would say it's probably in the top tier. If you were like doing like in a fighting game, it would be like an S tier deck. So it's it's really strong. That's another reason why I'm bringing it is it's a powerful deck. So I know that it can stand up to a lot of different things. You know, despite that, with the deck being strong, you know, you might argue that the contract saddles a little bit with some inefficient stuff. You know, you could say that the version with actual attachments in the deck is better, but I find having the Burglar's Turn adds some fun to the deck, so that's one of the reasons why I'm bringing it. And, you know, most importantly, I, I am, like, the third Burglar Champion, so I, I have to bring it. If I didn't, again, be, like, not playing my, my hits, that's the if you've forgotten, it's the attachment or the contract where you have no attachments in your deck. You get 14 um, items and artifacts that you put in like a sideboard, and then you travel to a location. You attach it to it, and then if you explore the location, you put the attachment into play. So I'm kind of like the champion of this card, so I have to bring it. As far as how the deck works, I think the best thing to do is just go to Rings DB and like look at my deck lists or search i think it's called uh turd burglar plus keldara explainer or something like that i I wrote up this kind mm-hmm. of a big write-up it's pretty much the same deck it's a little bit different but i've got a write-up i've got videos that explain how it all works that's it's because a bit complicated it's, if you want to really know how to play a keldara deck that's the best way to do it but essentially it's just she's a a hero who puts allies from your discard into play by removing her from play. So you just want to put high expensive spirit allies into your discard through Arwen and Dane, and then basically just play a monosphere deck. That's like cut to the chase of how to play it, but it's a bit more complicated. But yeah, I mean, we're going to post um, deck lists. And so I'll just put a link to that uh, description into the deck list to go with this episode when we put them all up and then you can kind of figure out how to play the deck nice yeah and it, you know i've i've played a number of games with you and you've played that deck in most of them it's pretty toolboxy also for how for being a mono spirit deck at the very least like you've got trackers in there and these sorts of things to help with some location control um your attachments can go around the table from burglars turn to where they're needed like there are a couple in there that you have like our or in your burglar's turn deck that are very specific dying things, right? But a lot of the other ones, especially in a four-player game, they're getting passed around where they're needed the most. You can get Orcrist on somebody's Grimbeorn or, you know, Glamdring on somebody's Legolas out there. So they really help out. The, it's a fun multiplayer deck just due to the the passing out party favors sort of nature of the, the burglar's turn contract. Yeah, just overall, it's really powerful deck one of the big reasons why i bring it it has a lot of things that can kind of help it get around certain things i think um typically in spirit not having healing is a is a big problem yeah. and attack strength can be a problem but the deck has got so many multi-hit point allies can soak up with archery um thanks to you know the new knight of belfast who we love you know, there's a cheap two cost to attack ally, so now you can kind of get muster a quick um, attacking force. As far as like a sideboard, I'm just gonna bring some uh, non-unique allies in case I have some um, overlap. There shouldn't be a ton. I only have like Emery, and Imrahil is more than uh, one copy of a unique, so. You know, maybe I'll bring like Damrod or our favorite, the Warden, something like that. Um, but, you know, I'm only playing one of them in the deck. So if I forget, it's and not really that big of a deal. It's not a huge deal breaker, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's a spirit deck, so it quests pretty well. But then it has enough combat to handle its own and help out a little bit around the table, too. So it's a it's a like, I think you claiming it's an S tier deck is correct. Like it, it does everything you could possibly want in a four player setting for you there. 
Yeah, and I've I've uh, beaten like every quest in the almost every quest in the game with this deck. That's how I know it's good. So yeah, if you want to know how to play a Keldara deck, like I said, just um, look up the deck list that I posted previously. Uh, I think I would say it was Turd Burger plus Keldara Explainer. I mean, we're gonna post up deck list with this one too. So I'll post a link from this deck list that goes with this episode that will probably have the description for that one if you really want to know how to play a deck i've got like a video and a write-up so that's just the best way to figure out how to play the deck yeah in the show notes for this like both of us have published or at least have a solid copy of one of these we can publish we'll we'll put our deck list in the show notes too so you can take a look at them um so yeah that's basically it for my my deck my first one it's my most complicated one the other ones will be pretty cut and dry here uh moving forward so shellen why don't you go ahead and pick your second deck you want to talk about here off of your list yeah i think i'm just going to work my way down the list here so my next one is we talked a lot about needing a answer for some of these monosphere quests in the against the shadow cycle and also needing an answer for the battle and siege questing. So I am going to answer that by doing a Grey Wanderer deck. Uh, Because I think that there's a very high likelihood of running into uniqueness conflicts across heroes in the tactics sphere. And if I want a mono tactics deck, I'm going to get around that by just bringing one tactics hero uh, and do the Grey Wanderer contract with him. And the hero that I decided to use was Bard... The Bowman. Yeah, bringing one of my cousins, who, bringing Bard, yeah. Uh, has some of the coolest art in the game, but really doesn't get used that often. He is going to be quite good in a multiplayer setting because his his text box basically is giving you negative two defense to enemies he's attacking with ranged. So you can kind of keep your threat a little lower and shoot around the table and pretty effectively five effective attacks starting from turn one with no attachments. And his biggest drawback, the reason that he doesn't get used that often, is he's got high threat and he's got kind of these, you know, two, two, two stat lines where he's not really that great at anything, right? Right? Sorry, two, three, two. Um, but he's just not, he's just so threat expensive. So the, the Grey Wanderer contract gets rid of that issue completely because you just have him. You get to start in secrecy anyway. And his three attack and two defense does really well for battle and siege questing right off the bat uh, for you there. So it's pretty standard Grey Wanderer fare. Um, You know, it's going to do resourcefuls for resource acceleration, so that's non-unique. It's going to do timely aid uh, to get allies into play. It's going to run Defenders of Ramos and some of those cheap eagle allies to to do battle and siege questing and these sorts of things. It's it's not a very flashy or combo-y deck, but it's kind of my way of saying, you know, if I'm going to play the first four quests in the against the Shadow Cycle, this is my deck that I'm going to bring that I can play along with some other people. Uh, and no, I'm not going to run into uniqueness conflicts and be able to quest with any of the three stats pretty well uh, and help out with the willpower side of things and then do a bunch of ranged and combat-y things across the table. I mean, yeah, it's a it's a great wander deck. It's it's going to work, you know? Yeah. And, and since you've made it tactics, you know, it's going to have the stuff for battle and siege. And I actually think before we talk more about this, I think I'm going to move on to mine here because it's kind of, kind of a, be sort of like a two-hander because they're kind of similar ideas and sure. stuff about them. Because my second deck I'm bringing is a monotactics deck as well. I'm going to be bringing a Huragon Eagles deck, basically, with mm. Theoden and Eowyn. And then it's also going to have the Turd Burglar. And I mentioned in the previous episode that I'm going to be bringing those sideboard heroes of Gimli, Boromir, and mablung because other than here god those other two can be swapped out it's not such a big deal to not have them and a1's not always the best 
in these quests either because sometimes she's only got like the one defense or one attack strength. So sometimes she's not very good at the battle and siege questing. And, you know, Boromir with his readying is really good and he can be better in some cases. Yeah, so it's pretty standard fair stuff here. Hirgon's your economy provides the minus one discount every time you quest successfully. It's mostly stuffed full of eagles. Um, you know, one of the things I noticed when I was playing this was I was only playing like four attachments or something like that. I had like I think Horn of Gondor, Red Arrow, and like support of the Eagles, and I was like, you know what, I don't I don't necessarily need all these attachments, so that's why I went with the the third burglar that's included in this one too, big shock. Because I was just like, man, I'm not in, these are not giving me a whole lot of juice, and I'll just take the free attachment from the contract instead. Um, and plus, I, I needed to open up some of those slots too when we started to get um, the Eagle Emissary and also that Eagle of the North. I wanted to put those in, so I needed to start taking some of the stuff out. So I was like, oh, these are kind of natural ones. I've just stuffed it with more Eagle centric cards and put in some, got some nice new attachments from the Burglar's Turn. And why I'm bringing it, I just think this is, you know, Mono Tactics, this is like such a good matchup for this uh, set of quests. All The Eagles are all cheap and really good at battle and siege questing. It avoids some of the um, card hate from some of the enemies and locations. And yeah, I just think it's really good for the siege and battle and stuff. And um, one of the kind of nice things about it, too, is it doesn't have, you know, I think only Hiragon is the the only hero that I really need in it. So I can swap some stuff mm -hmm. in and out that helps a little bit as well. And then, you know, additionally, I, this one of the reasons I like playing this deck too is it's because it's so easy to play. You only play like one to two allies, maybe two, usually like one ally a turn. So it's like, you know, if you're tired or if I'm trying to like vlog or do something else, it's like my turns are go by so quickly. So if... It, it, does, it hardly takes any time to play the deck, so that's like, you know, if I'm feeling lazy, this is a good a good deck to play when I feel like that. It, it's it's good too. It's it's, you know, probably not as good as the Keldara one, but it's still a really good solid deck too. Um, but you know, Sean and I talked a lot about you need solutions for certain things in this cycle, especially the um, battle and siege and the non monosphere hate and i think this deck has the solutions for a lot of those so i plan on busting those one out probably a lot on some of these annoying quests that have um some of these cards that we mentioned in the previous episode like the vanguard or the war camp and all the battle and siege stuff it just here it is you know uh i think between the deck shellen and i have shellen talked about on the one i have we've now presented you know two kind of different but kind of similar solutions here yeah yeah that sounds like a fun deck um i, I love those mono tactics here gone they're just very different than what mono tactics looks like without him existing right you can do a lot more fun things i think one of the things that i like about my bard deck so much is when we talked about gray wanderer last time we kind of mentioned it it gets kind of boring that you almost always just want to grab strider as your opening attachment, right? <laughs> like everybody just wants that. So my bard deck, it does have Strider in it because depending on the quest, I might want to, like if I end up playing it in a quest that does have some willpower questing, it might not be a bad thing. But that's really not the primary attachment I'm grabbing with it most of the time because the two willpower does me not much good in a lot of the other quests, even if the action advantage is nice. Uh, so Quest dependent, I can grab things like a dagger of Westerness, um, and I, I do have the One Ring and Strength and Courage in the sideboard just in case uh, for for some things. Or I can grab a Rohan Warhorse with it and get readying in the combat phase to do his big range attack type things around the table. So I think it's kind of cool that, like I said, he's got five attack with nothing else attached to him if you're doing ranged attacks. So you can use a Rohan Warhorse as the attachment you grab with Grey Wanderer on him. 
and use the contract's readying, and he can make three ranged attacks of five in the first round of the game without needing to find another piece. So I mentioned it's kind of a, a boring, not super combo-y deck, but there are some fun plays that I can have out depending on uh, how the game starts out. Because I can also grab Horn of Gondor right away and get even more resource generation on and those sorts of things. So I'm excited to see how it comes out. It's one of those I haven't played a ton of, but like you said, it's a Grey Wanderer deck. It's going to work. You know what I mean? Like all the secrecy cards, they, they work. So, yeah, and you know the reason we have to talk about them together a little bit here is because you know even though they are different, they're we're you know we're we're packing a lot of the same heat because these are our solutions to these really specific problems in the against the shadow cycle. So we're bringing a lot of the same cards. I mean, there are different ones, but you know we're bringing a lot of mm-hmm. these cheap uh, tactics allies that are good at. Uh, have high attack and high defense because that's you know the the best way to beat these quests is to just put those allies in to your deck. But uh, yeah, I mean I know that they're like a little different but kind of similar. But if you listen to the previous episode, I think you'll figure out why we're putting a lot of the same cards in our decks for these quests. Definitely, yep. I think this is a deck I would not bring to Con of the Rings unless we playing the against the shadow cycle like it it was built specifically to solve a problem right which i guess is a little different than mine which is usually more of a kind of like an all-purpose you can kind of roll it out against any quest type of deck although i am considering you know with my sideboard these uh specific cycles but for the most part it's more of a generalist deck but um with all that said why don't you tell us about your next choice? Yeah, so last episode we talked about what, like some of the things we want to do in our deck building. We talked about consistency and all these sorts of things. Uh, and I mentioned also, it's just a little bit about kind of showing off something fun that we made. This deck's all about that. This is a long extended party deck for sure, using the Last Alliance contract. And it is the last alliance of Bayornings and Ents. Uh, so bears and trees. Chris uh, called it my tree-baird deck um, during playtesting and all up. And it is a Grimbayorn Osbera, who's an all-up hero, the double-sided Bayorning lore and tactic she can flip over from human to bear form. And then Quickbeam, who <laughs> it's fun to use heroes that don't get used that often. And Hero Quickbeam, I think, is uh, woefully underutilized. Unfortunately, I have a late edition printing of Crossings of Poros there. So my Quickbeam is, has the unique symbol. Uh, I have yeah. the ones with the... So, so I can't run Quickbeam Ally in the deck also. I have to obey the, the actual the rules. But... Despite using the Last Alliance, which can do some wonky things with traits and those sorts of things, it's primarily a Grimbeorn deck. Like, if you've played with a Grimbeorn deck or across the table from one, his whole shtick is that when he defends an attack, when he's done defending it, you can spend a resource from his pool and attack the enemy back. And they get minus two defense. So you kind of get some action advantage plus some plus attack. And he's a beast. You know, he's got... Three attack, three defense, and five hit points. He's probably the single best combat hero in the game. And there are decks out there that do some just horrific things with him, with Steward of Gondor and Gondorian Fire and Blood of Numenor and all these sorts of things where he can kind of do the combat phase by himself sometimes, it seems like. This is not one of those decks. Um, you mentioned your Caldera deck was S-tier. This is probably like a, a B-plus tier deck. Just it's got Grimbayorn, so it can't be that bad, but it's more fun than anything. I use the contract to get Treebeard out for cheap, and then Treebeard can spend his resources to help ready Grimbayorn up. You've got um Osbera gets plus effectively plus willpower for damaged Bjornings on the table. And Ents love damage on them as well, so you can use big quest push up to the plus five uh on her there. So it it does questing pretty well for being a primarily tactics deck because it's got Welling Hall Preservers and Wandering Ents and Treebeard, who's got good willpower. But then it is all about getting Grimbiorn some attachments and letting him 
kill two enemies, defend and kill two enemies each round in the combat phase, or maybe three sometimes if you're... So it's a, it's a very combat-heavy deck uh, that's more of an all-arounder, not like my bard deck that's built for specific quests. Like, this is a... Bring this to a four-player game and say, hey, I'm doing a lot kind of deck. Yeah, and I, I think we talked about this previously in the last step, but there's a lot of combat in these two cycles for some reason. It feels like there's... I don't know what it is, but it feels like there's so many like low threat yeah. enemies or enemies making multiple attacks or kind of coming out of nowhere that you really need a strong combat deck, I think, for these two cycles. Um, mm-hmm. I think if you tried to bring a deck that was more like Trixie and, and couldn't really handle it, I think you'd be in some trouble. So I think it makes a lot of sense why you're looking at bringing a deck that is good at combat. I mean, it's got Grimbayor on the old in it. Yeah, and Grimbayorn's just like the single best answer for those additional attack enemies right i mean the enemy makes an additional attack after this one no it's not it's dead like <laughs> you know what i mean uh so it, he works really well for those dunlandings that attack you in the refresh phase or the shadow trains that get you an extra attack because you can just ignore it no you no, you don't you're dead uh so he's he's a great answer to those things for sure yeah very common in three hunters decks Yes, that's where he's at his best. Like an S tier Grimbayorn deck is a Thunder's deck, usually. But yeah, like you said, he's still good in decks where you don't play him to like max efficiency. He's still really powerful. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, speaking of powerful, I, I'm just bringing Dale. I know it's kind of boring. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Dale decks are good. And last year I brought four decks to Con of the Rings, these three, and then an Oldor deck. And I was. Um, I. Because I barely played, I don't think I played Noldor at all, and I played Dale once. I was like, I'm not going to bring that many decks this year. And I was looking at kind of what I had set up, and they all had kind of the same weakness. They all had, like, tons of card draw. It was like, um, I had Dale, Noldor, although I guess, mm-hmm. maybe not so much if you have, uh, with because I play Aerostore, and then, like, Dwarves, and they all have, like, the same weakness, which is they just draw right. so many cards and have so many um cards in hand i was like i don't want to bring you know three decks that are all have the same weakness it's like i'm i only really need to bring one of those because I'm, I'm not going to bust them out that often you know so yeah i made the decision to only bring one of them and i settled on dale but yeah dale is pretty good it's pretty straightforward and simple to play well, it's one of the reasons why I like it. It's basically just play attachments on your allies, and that's really it. And they get more powerful. Um, yep. You know, I think as far as my version, I'm playing the two Dale heroes and then Barivor. I think the only other differences I do, um, I have Drinking Song in my deck. I have a couple copies of that. I found that sometimes with Dale... Because you kind of need this like even balance of allies and attachments in your hand to kind of keep the deck going. Sometimes you'll get a, a hand where it's like, I have eight cards in hand and six are attachments and I have one ally. And it's like, this is, not, this is no good. Uh, you know, and I think having um, Drinking Song kind of bail you out of those situations, you know, especially too because you have Bear where you're drawing so many cards. Um, I think I also have a couple of wilds i think wild stallion because i'd play like blue slant i I play steward of gondor in it and i put it on um bard the blue one and so then i also run um galadrim's greeting because i found that like one of the only times you ever lose with dale is a threat out because it's like sometimes early in the game you can't quest successfully very much and then you just go super high and threaten you threat out and then um the one other card that i have is two arms the spirit one that readies a an ally because i found that it's really good with the the guardians of esgaroth the beefy boys because you know if they sometimes they have like you know if you have a wild stallion and stuff they're like six 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 so it's like you know they just crush through enemies right they're so good oh and i guess i yeah, I said it. I think I play Steward usually on um, Bard, but I'm going to bring as a sideboard. I'm going to bring Traffic from Dale because it should still be okay even with without Steward. But yeah, it's pretty straightforward playing Dale. 
I'm not sure too much how many, how much I'm gonna get to play it. I'm not sure it's gonna be a very good matchup at times. I think it might not be the best against some of the battle and siege stuff, even though you know all the allies get like bonuses a lot of times. You it's kind of slow. You need to kind of build up, and it might be too late. And you know with the time stuff too, again a little slow, but also. I don't want to play it against any of the quests that like really punish you having a lot of cards in hand because you're going to have a lot of card cards in hand with Dale. So yeah, I'm not too sure which quests I'm gonna play it against, if any. Maybe like Stewart's Fear or Um Amon Din, I could probably get it get by with it, I think might be okay. Uh yeah, I was kind of like down to deciding between this one and because I didn't know which I wanted to bring, and then I was kind of looking at them, and I was like, eh, do I really want to bring two decks with Hero Arwen? Eh, maybe not. Maybe I'll just go with Dale. I mean, it's good. I don't know how much yep. I'm going to get to play it, but yeah, I thought that that was kind of one of the other the tiebreaker things I was thinking about. I had a few other decks sleeved up at the time, too, that I was just like, ah, these are really not good matchups. You know, I had, like, Sylvan sleeved up, and I was like... Yeah, I don't really think I can play this too much against against the Shadow, and do I want to bring a deck that I can play basically less than fifty percent of the time? So, yeah, that was kind of kind of my thinking here. Yeah, I hear you. I think uh, this is going to be something that I think goes well for my next deck. I'm going to talk about too, but certainly for your Dale deck to tie it back to last episode a little bit is. It's a deck that doesn't run a lot of uniques other than the heroes. Like it's more powerful with Steward, but you can get away with running it without Steward. Right, right. right. And players with newer card pools don't have access to the Wilds of Ravanian and that subsequent cycle. Uh, and it, it doesn't run uniques outside of other Dale things. So it's it's really easy to get to the table unless somebody else also really wanted to play a Dale deck, right? You're not running into a lot of uniqueness conflicts. Uh, so it's a it's a nice one for for that con purpose for sure as well, and that's that's kind of where I'm going at with my next deck, which is Eagles. Uh, so it's a different Eagle deck, obviously, than your Here Gone variety. It's also going to be different than everybody's Radagast variety as well. It's a a long extended party Eagles deck which was kind of the hotness at last year's con. I really wanted to bring one, but we had just released the Fire on the Eastamnet adventure pack in the month up prior to the con of the Rings last year, and so I didn't build an Eagles deck because I figured I'd probably be playing across the table from it a bit. And I, I did play across the table from a handful of all of Eagles decks, which was fun, but I finally I want to bring one for myself this time around. Uh, so if you're unfamiliar with... What a long extended party added. We added a couple uh, eagle heroes, Alagos and Fawneth, which help out with the resource acceleration so you don't have to run Radigat and his staff, you don't have to run Steward, um, and you don't have to run Hirgon, is the, the big bit. There are some additional things where some of the leadership eagle allies benefit from being passed to other players at the table which makes it a really fun and interactive multiplayer deck because you can you kind of have pseudo versions of ranged and sentinel on all of your eagles at the table once you get set up because you can pass them to the player that needs it in that moment even if that's ranged and sentinel so that that's kind of the point it's a really interactive multiplayer deck in particular but it also is just not running any uniques other than Gwaihir uh and Maneldor so, like, that's really the only... So even if somebody else was running a standard issue Eagle deck, I could still run this one because it's not running Radagast deck. Running here, gone. It's not running Steward or Horn of Gondor or anything like that. So it's another one of those going to be really good at Battle and Quest Siege type things uh, because of Eagles. Not as good because it's dual sphere leadership and tactics uh, for some of those things, but can still get it to the table against almost anything regardless of what anybody's playing and i love <laughs> the the multiplayer eagle shenanigans of you know passing somebody williador so they can do their thing and, and that sort of stuff so i'm very excited to get to play it this year at the con 
Yeah, I'm not too surprised to hear you're bringing an Eagle deck because we kind of discussed, you know, they're some of the best allies for Battle and Siege, and it's really only like Maneldor and Willyador, like the only unique ones. But I mean, like Maneldor's, he's always leaving play and stuff, so it's not that big of a, a deal. Yep. I can just, if you have one, I can just kill mine. <laughs> exactly. Yep. And yeah, we could even like play our two Eagle decks together and it wouldn't be a big deal because if, if I had like, you know, Maneldor or whatever, it's like, whatever i'll just kill him and then i'm just you know we're just trying to put him under all these eagles of the misty mountains anyway so it's not even that big right. of a deal and they're they're kind of like dwarves and that they have really good synergy across the table for version of the deck because you know maybe you get your eagles of the misty mountains out early and i can't find one i can still you know pass my dead eagles to you you know it's it's great um, this is my one deck that does share cards we talked about like proxying and these sorts of things so obviously my Bard, the Bowman, Grey Wanderer deck is using a lot of those evil allies too. So when I'm playing these decks, I'm going to have to pull my Vassals, Williador, and uh, Winged Guardians out of the certain decks and put them in the other one. But that, this is my only deck where I have to do that with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like such a broken record saying about <laughs> how, the, how good the Eagles are at in this it could be at this con it's like I and mean, they're so good at the the so battle good. and siege questing and stuff and, and just in in general too but i mean i get the feeling that like there's going to be so many eagles at this uh con that i mean people are gonna have to boo santa claus <laughs> i look that up uh if you don't know what i'm talking about google philadelphia boo santa okay and then yeah for my last deck i'm gonna bring well i i guess i'm not really bringing it it's being brought to me it's um it's not even really my deck. It's this deck that friend of the show Splice has built and played before. I it's Sean. What'd you say the name of it was again? Uh, I think I read it wrong. I think it was somebody else's deck. But it, it basically the, the gist is reducing everybody's threat to zero, right? Yeah, yeah, right. I I don't actually know what the name of the deck is either. But yeah, that's that's the whole point of it. Is basically it can reduce like everybody's threat to zero. I've um, I've been in a game where Splice has played this and I've seen it and it works, but I've never played it before, so I don't really know. He's explained a little bit of it to me, but I, I I've never done it before, so I don't know if I'm actually even gonna play it that much. But yeah, the reason I don't know a whole lot and I'm not talking about it too much is because the whole the whole point of this deck is actually not the like the cards in the deck. It's um, every convention we go to, Splice dresses up and then he creates like an alt art card to go with it and so this deck is his one that he's bringing and i helped them brainstorm a lot of the ideas for this deck and it's it's pretty funny and so uh this is deck is mostly for like the laughs and the jokes i'm sure it's going to make a an appearance on the vlog and i think people are going to find it pretty funny some of the cards are absolutely hilarious. I've shown a couple of them to you, Shellen. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. And, I, you know, I've played with this deck before, just net decking it uh, off the internet. And I, somebody, I think it was old Toby McShire at the con last year, actually had a copy of this deck. I don't know if it was his or if somebody gave it to him to play, but like Splice wasn't there, but his deck was. Somebody built it and brought it to the con. And it's cool. I mean, it's uh, the, the key card is Song of Arendil which when another player raises their threat, you can take that threat for them. They get to reduce their threat. You get to raise yours. So it's using that card with Spirit Mary and Shire Folk and all Galadron's greetings and all these other Hobbit threat reduction tricks to just start absorbing the threat for the whole table. You know, it uses Spirit Frodo to take undefended attacks and stuff. It's very cool. Um, it, it, I think you'll really like playing it if you, when you get to sit down and do it. It it is a little tricky because it really does rely on that that song getting out early, so you can start taking other people's threat for them. But once it's up and running, it it does exactly what it's advertised to do. It's a a, a threat vacuum for the whole table. It's cool. Yeah, I mean the year I played it with him, like everybody's threat was like in single digits, I think like or something like that, or like less than ten. So yeah, it's really good at, yeah. at the thing it does. Again, I'm I'm not sure how much I'm going to play it or if at all because i have no experience doing it you know maybe something easy like amundin i'll try it or something like that or quest for fun sure but yeah kind of the reason i'm not really talking too much about 
and how the deck works is because it's not really the point. Yep. yep. The the point isn't really like the printed text on the cards. It's it's all for the like the fun and the laughs and stuff like that. Yeah, very very cool alt art deck. Very fun. <laughs> Definitely coming bug bug Bardley to look at it. Yeah, and you know he's never done a full deck before. Usually he only does like one card or like a set of cards. I have like his uh rose his brosy one, his uh Bob Raziel and Brazio one. But yeah, this year he was like, I'm doing like a whole deck and I was like, What? Really? But he yeah, because he hasn't been um to a convent he didn't go to the last couple of conventions or missed the last kind of learning, so he's really jonesing to like do some stuff. So yeah, he built a, a whole deck which is pretty cool. But yeah, he's go he's going all out this year on, on stuff. So kind of excited. We'll get that in a little bit here. But yeah, just um keep an eye out. You'll see some pictures and some video of it, and I think you guys will enjoy this one. Yeah, and then so my my last or, or second to last deck, kind of last normal one, I suppose, is a standard for me fair of a long extended party Rohan. So this is using Thangle uh, from the All Up Deluxe pack with Lothuriel and Tactics Aemir so that Lothuriel gets the Rohan trait. Again, she can put in some of those self-discarding Rohan allies for free when she commits to the quest. They discard themselves and get replaced by a permanent ally thanks to Thangle's ability. So it is a, a much quicker starting Rohan deck. Um, yeah, I brought it to the con last year and it was probably my most played deck. Uh, last year at the con i think i'll try to play it less this time around just because i've played it so much it's it's kind of my kaldara deck you know i helped out a lot on the long extended party deluxe so i play tested this deck for a year and a half before it got even released to the public but it's fun it's good it's it's one of those decks that it doesn't have much sentinel it doesn't have much ranged so it, it doesn't feel like it interacts with the table a lot. It does its own thing very well. You know, I'm going to quest with probably more willpower than would be my fair share. And then I should easily be able to handle one enemy around. Some rounds, maybe later in the game, I can handle. So it's just kind of one of those. It, pick, it, it, it handles itself and can maybe pick up a little bit of questing for everybody else at the table. Just because that's kind of what Rohan does. And then it's got a couple of the, you know, Rohan tricks. They got all the cards are kind of bad in a vacuum because they discard themselves. But with Thangle there to replace them, they become somewhat usable. So you can use a lot more of the like, I'm going to discard this, you know, Westfold Outrider to engage an enemy. Because you can, you're not wasting two resources to do it. This, You know, so it's fun. I like it a lot. And... It is one deck that I have played a ton. So this is kind of my uh, I don't need to think to play this deck. Deck. I just sit down and I know exactly what my optimal hand looks like to start with. I know exactly how to play and then you basically quest well and defend with Thangle and attack with Aemir every round and you're set. Yeah, and there is something to be said for a deck that's really easy to play. If people haven't been to a convention and this is even not like as bad as like um Gen Con or you know, I did like a a twelve hour like Netrunner tournament day, like the brain drain by like the second day, it is real. It's exhausting, but, yeah. But yeah, I mean it is it is tough. It is real. That's why it's always kinda nice to have the Saturday night kind of decompression thing of just like eating or playing some party games or just chatting because it, it is exhausting. Like the you're using your brain so much like really takes it out of you but yeah, i mean sometimes it's just you're like I, you want to play but you you don't want to play like a hard deck so you're like i just need something i can play really easy kind of like autopilot on that's not going to take a lot of my brain capacity and that's one of the reasons i brought up with the uh the mono tactics you're gone one too just really quick easy to play because it's like you're so exhausted sometimes mentally that you just need a little bit of a, a breather <laughs> I feel like I'm like a sports coach, like trying to talk you through. Like, eat your bananas, eat chocolate, you know, drink, drink the, drink this water. Like, it's like, but it's like, it's it's real. And to kind of build off of that, we talked in the beginning a little bit about the idea of like consistency of uh, deck and player. 
you know, when you're playing a deck that you've played a lot before, it kind of makes it a little bit easier because you just kind of are like familiar with everything. There's no like stuff that really surprise you. You kind of know how to get out of a situation. So, you know, the familiarity with your deck makes it easier to play too, I think. Yep. And kind of the, the theme with me for this, all, this will be like the fifth time I say this about my five decks here. Unless somebody else at the table is wanting to play a very Rohan-specific deck, there's no uniqueness conflicts. You know, I'm not running Aowen. I'm not running Steward. You know, it's got all of the, like, Aemond and Gambling and Grimbold and Hama-type folks. But, like, it's only unique conflicts if somebody else is running Rohan, so. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've kind of... I think all of our decks have kind of had, I think my Keldara deck a little bit more, like really relies on having sp- the specific heroes, but I think, um, you know, I said that model tactics one, only Hiragana, I really, I can swap out the other two heroes. So I've kind of, yeah, the, the, with the uniqueness thing, I'm kind of with you on that. I think, um, you know, one of the things we talked about for avoiding uniqueness rules is having like, um, specific unique cards that are f- for like your faction. So, like, you know, with Dale, maybe you're not running like the generic uniques that like everybody runs, but you're running like your faction specific stuff. So, it's like, as long as someone's not going to run the same faction as you, you're not going to run into the uh, uniqueness overlap. So, it's like, you know, um, with Dale, it's like, I need King of Dale. You're not going to need King of Dale in your Rohan deck. So, it, it kind of you know, we're kind of like taking some of our previous advice here and kind of showing it to you a little bit with some of the ways to like avoid some of these uniqueness problems. This is just play like if you play specific faction deck, your faction uniques are probably not going to be overlapped unless somebody else wants to play the exact same faction. So then you would just, you know, play a different deck. So yeah, we've kind of reached the end of like our regular deck talk here this last thing we're gonna talk about this is kind of more just like a fun one um i said earlier we talk a a little bit more about splices going wild on stuff here and um he is going to be bringing us um alt art i think he's gonna bring us like 40 cards is that right something like that of all cards just for the burglar's turn contract but yeah, I don't know if um, I don't think people have heard our discussion about this. But if uh, and Tardy takes that, but if you know multiple people start bringing uh, burglars turn decks, you kind of get some uniqueness conflict problems because like you can't you don't want to put both like Stone of Elostirian or Gearian in, even though those cards are really good because like if another person um, draws it, it's like a dead one for them because it's like well one's in play already. So he's bringing us all these this like huge sideboard of burglars turn cards because we are going to be doing a four player everybody plays burglars turn game. So yeah, we're going to play a game where all four players are going to have the contract. What makes it so crazy and wild is so the way it works is when one player puts um an attachment from the the contract onto the active location adds plus 1 quest points. But then because it's uh, plus one quest points per attachment on there. But then when you start adding more players, if you have, like, four players put an attachment down, each contract is plus four quest points. So when you have all four players, you have, like, plus 16 quest points on the active location. So, yeah, because it adds such a crazy amount of quest points onto locations what we're going to do is we're going to play Helm's Deep so yeah Helm's Deep is a little unique because of this defense keyword where the enemies are the ones actually placing progress instead of the the heroes Um, and they're the ones trying to go through the uh, quest deck instead of the heroes the heroes are trying to kind of just stall them and hold out for a while and then they then they can win so this is actually like super beneficial to us because it makes it a lot harder for the enemies to quest through because they have to go through an additional like 16 quest points on the active locations. That's be pretty good. Um, 
Yeah, and I think this is probably like one of the only quests that we could do it in. I mean, I maybe passage through Mirkwood if we, because it's like I suppose you could just travel to nowhere, but that kind of defeats the point of all playing the contract. But even in a really easy quest, like plus sixteen to every active location is a lot. But yeah, so Sheldon's going to be bringing a deck specifically for this quest too. I'm probably just going to play Kaldara, so nothing exciting to talk about here. Uh, although Shellen should have some, some interesting stuff to talk about for his deck here. Yeah, so this was kind of a fun challenge. Uh, I have not ever built my own Burglar's Turn deck. Um, I've net decked a couple, I've I, so I have played them, but it was my first time doing it, and I knew that you were bringing your Kaldara deck. Uh, Salted Pork is one of the other players involved in this, and I have played with him many times uh, online where he uses a Tactics Imrahil, Hirgon, Eowyn Burglar's Turn deck, and so I correctly guessed that that's what he was using, so I knew that Tactics and Spirit were already spoken for. So I kind of built a mono lore Burglar's Turn deck that also functions a bit as a victory display deck as well because so I'm bringing a sideboard that I can turn it into a not burglar's turn deck if I need to like if I really want to play a victory display just a pure victory display deck it only needs a couple key attachments like love of tails basically you know what I mean um but it runs pretty well without them and it'll use Haldan so he so I can use it for other quests during the con if I want to just play a fun Burglar's Turn deck. You know, he can quest without exhausting and then draw a card thanks to the Burglar's Turn attachment every round. He won't be drawing a lot of cards in Helm's Deep thanks to that mechanic, but he won't. But he won't be exhausting. He won't be exhausting to quest at the very least, right? Um, so it, it's it's a Woodman mono lore uh, that I'm going to be doing a lot of victory display shenanigans and then some some location control things. Cause like you said, we can, we're hoping that the, the encounter deck is running into this big wall of 16 quest points, but that means we're going to have to clear out some locations of staging ourselves. Right. Right. right so yeah, yeah. Cause it's going to keep building up. We have to get rid of some of the places at least. Yeah. So, so it, it, it's, it's a pretty typical mono lore support deck. I, I still haven't 100% decided on my second and third heroes yet. I've been playtesting around and messing around with some, but this might be one where I bring a sideboard stack with me of, you know, four or five different lore heroes that I can use depending on what I feel like ends up working best. I'm probably going to need to playtest it a couple more times. I, I'm not 100% sold on it, but but that's my idea is I'm, I'm covering a sphere and then I can use a mono lore deck in against the shadow cycle with burglar's turn or as a victory display deck if i want to uh outside of just this the silly challenge so i'm kind of using it for a dual purpose multitasking sort of thing yeah whereas i'm just playing a deck that i've already brought <laughs> sure uh yeah since like two-thirds of my decks already have the contract in them <laughs> so if there's any deck that i'm bringing that has a chance to crash and burn it's definitely this one like i think <laughs> I feel confident that my other decks, like, unless something goes terribly wrong, I'm not going to be the sole reason for the loss. I cannot, with good conscience and sound mind, say that that's true about this one. But I know that the Kaldara deck and Salted Pork's Tactics Amber Hill deck are both very good. So uh, there, there's some slack to be picked up for me if I do end up building a horrific monstrosity of a deck that doesn't do a whole lot. Yeah, it's kind of hard to predict how it's going to go because as far as I know, I mean, I've never seen it or anybody talk about it. If anybody's done four, everybody plays four-player all right. burglars turn contract on this quest, so I don't... It's kind of a little bit of uncharted territories, as far as I know. So I'm not quite sure what the flow of the game is going to be like or how it's going to work because it's just... Uh, it's not something anybody's... But that I am aware of that is really done. Because I've played this with two players both having it. But even then, still, I, I like never quested successfully anyway, so. Because, yeah, even then, you know, it just kind of really acted as an extra buffer. I still, they still kind of advance through stuff because it's not like an easy quest. So, 
I'm not just kind of not sure how this is going to work. This is kind of like a new weird thing. But it's just like a it's like a new fun yeah. thing so I don't I don't really care too much about being that serious about it. It's it's for mostly for fun. But you know, we're just kind of doing it for the memes, but I, I do want to remind you that it it was your idea. You did bring it up. <laughs> I asked who thought of this dumb idea, yeah. <laughs> you asked who, who thought of oh, the idea. <laughs> and then, yeah, I screenshotted it, and it was you. Because, like, you incepted the idea into me, and then I made it happen, like, because it wasn't even something I was thinking about. But, yeah, I don't really know too much. I don't remember where the idea came from, but I think you suggested Nightmare Blood of Gondor, and I was eventually like, do we actually want to try to win? Because I think we have to do something like Helm's Deep or Passage Through Mirkwood, because it's like the only chance for us to win. But yeah, that's our, our crazy challenge we're going to do at the con. The crazy four-player, all burglar's turn, Helm's Deep, Conjuring special. Yeah, I'm very excited to, to, to see it. And you are, are you going to be doing a, a- at the con again this year like you've done in years past yeah i'm i'm gonna do the vlog for sure i think i'm thinking that this and splice's main deck will be getting highlight moments i think also i'm not sure who else, uh, i guess uh listener swag review yep but other than that i'm just gonna have to kind of see what's i i don't know just to kind of see what like every year what what happens to see what kind of shows up on the vlog, but I'm positive that this is going to be one of the like marquee slots for the vlog this year. Cause it's probably going to be the stupidest thing it does all weekend. So we got to get it documented. Yeah. So, so stay tuned to the, the cardboard of the rings, YouTube channel for that one. I'm sure you'll get to see something if you, if you don't um, make it to the con and if you do and see, all of us sitting with Splice's cosplay and all those sorts of things at some point in time, you know, something dumb's about to happen there. So that should be fun. So, yeah, that's it for stuff here. Do you have anything else you want to add? I don't have anything else to add about my decks. No, I don't either. I'm excited. It was really fun. I, I'm not looking forward to physically building them. I, I play so much on dragon cards these days that I almost never have decks built anymore. So I hate actually like sleeving up my cards and building decks. So I still have to do that over the next month, but it was fun to sit down and do all the rings DB building over the past week or two. I'm excited more so for the con than I was previously. This is also one of the like sly things about my decks. They're, they're all built already here. Yep. <laughs> Cause they were all the ones I had last year. So they're the same ones. So other than looking through stuff for some sideboard stuff, which I have to do every year, Everything else is already done, so I have to do anything. And plus, Splice, since Splice brings the, like, 40 cards with a Burglar's turn, I don't have to think about bringing my sideboard for that, because I already started picking some stuff out for what I was going to bring, but now I don't have to really think about that, because I'm getting 40 cards, so I shouldn't have any problems. But yeah, that's, like, my sly tactic for deck building here, is just already have them pre-constructed, so I don't have to do it. I know I said I was going to end the show here, but I I have to say, I think it's... Cr- pretty crazy the people who are like building and bringing like 10 new decks to the con is just like that's so much work it's crazy like i'm sure they do it because they love it but that is just that is that's a lot to do but yeah sometimes i see it it's so crazy i'm like my god that's so much work so um i yeah just i can't imagine bringing and building 10 10 new decks so you know take take advice from lazy old barley just bring three decks that you brought last year only with different sideboards but yeah i guess that's gonna be where we ended here uh that's it for the series just the two episodes i don't know if we're gonna do a recap of con of the rings um usually we've always done that on the main show on cardboard of the rings so i don't know we don't plan that far in advance so i don't know if we're gonna just do it on there or if we don't maybe we'll reconvene here or if we forget something we'll talk about it on here but yeah so i guess just keep an eye out an ear out i suppose and you'll be able to hear about how it went at some point in some cardboard readings thing who knows what it's going to be
Yep. And if you're at the con, like we said last time, come say hey, for sure. Yeah. And if you see us in our basketball shirts on Friday, you should be able to recognize us. I think you can actually probably see us in the vlog from last year. Um, I mean, we have, it was only a year ago. We haven't changed that much. Uh, it's not like we're like 10 years old and we grew like six inches. So it became a small forward suit. Yeah, you should be able to recognize us. 